You're listening to the FBC Canyon Podcast, where we seek to equip and encourage our church body to display the gospel through joyful character, community, and conversations. Here we go. God is good all the time. He put a song oh, what's up, everybody? <laughs> Welcome to the FBC Canyon Podcast. I'm Brendan Scoggin, and I'm here with... I'm Drew Taylor. Steve Olson. Special guest. Russ Robinson <laughs> from First Baptist Church of Provo, Utah. We've been trying to get, yeah, we've been trying to get Russ on here for about, hold on, there's a button here. Two, two years. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Oh. All kinds of things. Good day yeah. with the live audience. And he's wondering why he's now joined us. <laughs> yeah. I've taken equipment to Provo and to Colorado, I think. I've taken yeah. stuff to get him on the podcast several times. So Finally. Finally, you come to Canyon. At least two attempts. Well, didn't y'all do a video yeah. last time there? We did a video. Of, but uh, Ed played the trombone. <laughs> yeah, that was, a di- that was a different video. <laughs> <laughs> Day two, yeah. we heard a trombone recital. All right. Yeah, we, we did We did video, Russ, but we had warned him to get him on the podcast. So finally... <laughs> Took episode yeah. fifty. You just wanted to be episode on a. Vi- you wanted to be on a very special episode. <laughs> That's right. It's episode fifty. This already. is episode Numero. five zero. Numero fifty. Very well, could be my last episode for a while because this is going to be our last episode in the attributes of God series, and the next series will be uh, you Undetermined. know up to y'all. Whatever y'all want to do with your lives, I don't know. Okay, <laughs> we'll start at episode one hundred with it. I just want to come back every two years on a guest episode, just like Russ. You know. <laughs> Came Has it taken us 104 years, so. weeks to get to 50? <laughs> it's taken us 104 weeks, longer than that. I don't know how long. How long has it been? I, I guess we started know. this COVID last year. So, yeah, oh. it's been a good year and a half. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about the, the goodness of God. Um, today is our last episode in the Attributes of God series. And uh, excited to have, have Russ on because they've been preaching through a sermon series over the summer on the goodness of God. So, It'd be good uh, just having a roundtable discussion about this. But before we get to that, we got to do our random question round. And, uh, you know, it's getting harder and harder to find. 50 questions in, it's getting harder to find uh, these appropriate get get to know you. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's It's true. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I'm dying. Okay. Um, a lot of questions out there. <laughs> there. There are a lot of questions. <clears throat> <laughs> Wedding songs? <laughs> oh, mercy. Struggles. I didn't, I didn't get to pick the songs at our yeah. wedding. Jamie yeah. did it all. Yeah. We, let's just say the things we learn about each other in this room are more than the things that <laughs> these are said on the air. If these walls could talk. <laughs> oh, well. Now we're going to have people sitting outside the this <laughs> yeah. fake fake window yeah. or whatever. All right. Uh, so the question we have for today is, what is the worst food that you've ever eaten Which kind of relates in your to memory? Good, to goodness, yeah. but the opposite of it. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. The, what well, a great theological <laughs> point. <laughs> the most ungood food. The ungood food. Eaten. We'll let our special guests go first. Well, I'm, I'm going to say part of this I liked. The other part, though, I had to qualify is, is the worst, and it's probably not going to be the part you think. But I was on a, uh, a, a Navajo re- reservation, and there was a lot of mutton, which is old sheep, and I like mutton. And uh, one of the dishes, though, that came out, they had grilled mutton intestine wrapped around 
like just the biggest round piece of mutton fat that you can mm. imagine. Uh, I'm good with intestine, but that mutton fat <laughs> was uh, was really really difficult. Mm. That was difficult, and uh, I don't know how how much that intestine was washed out, but it still tasted better than the fat mm. on that. Yeah. Who mm. on earth even came up with that? <laughs> yeah, we got some see. intestine left, some fat left. Yeah. <laughs> Just wrap it up <laughs> and grill it. It was <laughs> grilled. Why not? It it was grilled that thing. All right, my worst food would be Brussels sprouts. It doesn't matter who cooks it. <laughs> and there's bad. a restaurant I like going to, uh, Yellow City Street Food, and from time to time they'll have fried Brussels sprouts. I've not eaten them, but I'm thinking even fried, <laughs> I don't want it. I just I can appreciate a good Brussels sprout. Yeah, oh too. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, not me. I'm a fan. Roasted. I didn't understand that vegetables could be good until I got married to Julie, and she roasts these things, salt on them. Mm. I like Ada, how you had to pause before you gave her name. Like, <laughs> my wife. What's her name? <laughs> Listen, Steve's cutting up today. <laughs> Haven't been sleeping much lately. <laughs> oh, so I was yeah. trying. I was trying to think, and so what I'm going to go is what had scarred me the most. Um, in life as far as eating. So it wouldn't be what you would think having lived in Kenya and Turkey and, and eating some interesting things, intestines and eating some goat that I don't know that was cooked all the way and <laughs> just eating some weird stuff. But something that really like scarred me as a child was we went over to a friend's house for his birthday party and his mom bought buttered milk. And I would mm. probably drink buttered milk now and be okay. But at that point, I, I never had it before. And... um she she gave it to everyone and realized then that we didn't like it, but she made us drink the whole oh, cup that no. she gave us before we went out and played. Mm. And there was one kid that had a milk allergy that had orange juice, <laughs> and he just turned it up, and we all just scowled at him like, you sorry. <laughs> but I, I still remember that distinct. I mean, I remember sitting on the porch, like people are gagging. <laughs> That's really not oh, the drink to have on a warm summer day no. before you go play. <laughs> I can't believe, I mean, I'm thinking back, I was probably eight years old, and she's making these eight-year-olds guzzle down buttermilk because she didn't want to waste. She why, didn't why not make some biscuits? Yeah, she didn't want to drink it later. I don't know. Anyways. Let me crack a rug in there for you while you're at it. Mm. Anyways. Yeah, I think for me, you know, I, te- I tend to be a pretty uh, untrusting person. It's true. You just ordered chicken nuggets when we went to the Thai restaurant. <laughs> That's right. So it, so it's really a big deal when I trust a recommendation for a restaurant from a friend. And uh, there's a, a time I have I had a, a new friend and hadn't known him for a long time, but seemed like a trustworthy guy. And he recommended a pho restaurant. Oh, man. And uh, we went to this place. And I'm telling you, it was like drinking muddy water. Oh my and goodness gracious! Who is that friend? That? In, is that friend in this room right now? Is that right? Would when you, you like to? to I mean, I, I didn't want to say any names. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's because Nothing. he didn't know what he was doing. That's <laughs> <laughs> a bad friend. <laughs> no, uh, it was definitely stinky tofu in Taiwan for me. <laughs> that was the worst. 
that felt wasn't great, but I, I, you, Russ has convinced me that it's because I did not know how to handle it. So <laughs> that's right. It's all on me. It's all on me. All right. You're going to get to try again. Let's get on into this. So we're going to be talking about the goodness of God today. Uh, just a, uh, a few verses. I, this is one of those uh, topics. I mean, you, you search the word good and your, and your, concordance or what have you, and you're going to come up with a litany of, of responses because God's goodness is all over the scriptures. It's clearly one of, one of those things that, uh, that is essential to his nature, and that becomes apparent as you're in just about any portion of, of God's word. Uh, oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His mercy endures forever. Good and upright is the Lord. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. And it goes on and on and on as you read through the scriptures. Um, you know, many, many of the New Testament ones we're familiar with. Uh, no one is good but one, that is God alone. Uh, and James 1, 17, every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of change. So it's just just all over the scriptures you see mm-hmm. this attribute of God expressed, and there are all sorts of uh, areas that we could dive into when it comes to this. And so obviously, like any of these attributes, uh, there have been whole books written on these things, and we're only going to be scraping the surface. But we do just want to give a general overview of this attribute of the goodness of God. And so let's uh, start out just with uh, a few definitions. I don't know if we have one or two here, but we're definitely going to go to Grudem because, you know, he's like the granddaddy of modern uh, definitions for anything having to do with systematic theology. So, Drew, what does Grudem have to say on the goodness of God? So Grudem says, the goodness of God means that God is the final standard of good, which sort of helps, particularly the standard part, that we have to have a standard of what is good. And then he continues on to say, and that all that God is and does is worthy of approval. Mm. Yeah. We have another one on that. I know that we talked through different, a few different. But. I just pulled this one up on uh, Ligonier Ministries, Ligonier.org, mm. but uh he says, goodness is a first description of God's essential character. It means that the Lord is not evil, that he does not love sin, and indeed cannot even be tempted with evil. Um, in this way, it's synonymous with some aspects of what we typically call divine holiness. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, that's good. So what are some things that we could draw out and, and maybe some additional comments that could be made on uh, on that particular definition or either one of those definitions well, i think in thinking about god as the standard of good is helpful because the word good the ad- adjective good is something that we use a lot you know good food good people good whatever and and certainly we can do all that i'm not saying that we can't use the word good to describe those things but it always has to be against some standards. When you talk about food, why is this food good? Well, you're comparing it to something else that you don't think is good. So there always has to be a standard out there. So ultimately, especially when we're talking about people, because we'll talk about people as being good a lot, is that ultimately God is that standard, though, of what is even good. Because mm-hmm. um, we usually think, okay, God's holy. We're not holy. Mm-hmm. A lot of people would say, I get that. But I'm, I'm good, though. 
and maybe in ways you are, um, in some things that you do, you are, but ultimately you're not perfectly good. Yeah. Uh, God is only perfectly good. Yeah. And so even that just shatters this idea that man in his nature is good. Mm-hmm. Um, and therefore worthy of eternal life or whatever it may be. Yeah. So thinking of knowing God is the standard of what is good keeps it all in perspective for us. It's not just some little word that we use. Yeah. It's, it really holds much weight. Some just crossed my mind as you were talking, Pastor Steve, was, um, you know, thinking about the image of God and how we, how we bear his image. And, um, you know, even everybody in the world, because you talked just a moment ago, I mean, people reflect, goodness you know or or do good things because but i would say it is because god is good so even you know i've I've always thought about this is why when we eulogize someone at a funeral who is an unbeliever we still don't bring out every bad thing that they've done we want to talk about the good things that they've done which they rightly did display the image of god Uh, obviously not a meriting or salvation work Mm -hmm. there but um but it just goes to show it all flows from the fact that God is good. If we do anything good, even as an unbeliever, yeah. it's because God is good. Yeah. And I think goodness, as we think about it, it, is part of his essence. It's not just what he does. So how we see it expressed and whether it's seen as mercy and grace and the, you know his good works, but it is at the very core of who he is. Psalm 119.68 says, you are good and do good. So it mm-hmm. distinguishes between who he is, you are good, but then you also, because you are good, you do good. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's helpful to remember um, as we think about his goodness. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, kind of in all this, um, what what we're really appealing to is that, that goodness is uh, an attribute that is essential to the nature of God. One of the interesting things just in prepping for this that I came across was was the fact that the uh, the word God in English, when it was originally being decided, well, what are we going to call this being in English? Um, the the original Saxon word God meant the good, and so when Christians early on were trying to think through how to put this concept of the God that we see in Scripture into the English language, the term that they settled on was the good, and I think it just shows that this is one of those attributes that is essential to his nature, that God uh, has, he is original good. Like there's, there was no, there's no good apart from him and every good thing does emanate from who he is. And uh, what, what a good, good thing to remember when we are considering the, uh, the, the Imago Dei, the the image of God in, in mankind, just to know that every good thing that is, that is in any person is only present because of the common grace of God, you know, at, at, which is him expressing his goodness in his creation, even in his fallen creation. Uh, But then how much more beautiful it is when we think about his goodness expressed in redemption, which we'll we'll get to that uh, here in a a little bit. But what are some other maybe noteworthy elements that we would draw out regarding the goodness of God? What else could be said here in terms of of, uh, this being uh, essential to his nature and who he is? Yeah, I mean, I think we discussed a little bit about it being eternal, um, as God's eternal, about it being infinite and boundless. And so um, God never runs out of goodness. He's always good. Um, 
And so some of those are a few elements of it that are, I think, significant for us to remember mm-hmm. as we think about it. It's, it's almost harder to talk about God being good in his essence more than it is than what he does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's really, I think we, I think we really do understand his essence by what he does. Yeah. In a lot of ways we do. I, I, I just recently was having a conversation with, with a young lady in, in Canyon and uh, is, is a fascinating conversation. I won't get into all the details of it, but we, we get into it a little bit and uh, she grew up in the church, but you know, wasn't part of the church. And I started digging a little bit and then all of a sudden it gets to, well, have you heard of the egg theory? I'm like, Hmm, here we go. Haven't heard of the egg theory. Explain the egg theory to me. The egg theory is this new religion that's been created by some well-known writer, uh, Andy Weir. He's like a best-selling author and he's put together a bunch of trendy, cool looking YouTube videos. And he's essentially created a new religion uh, by putting together a number of different ideas from different religion. But the basic idea is that uh, we are all God in part, and we all kind of exist uh, at the same time, just different manifestations of this one God. And we are tasked in this, in this life, or for each of us, is to remove the corruption from ourselves to become more pure, more perfect, and more good. So the, the idea is that, that there is, uh, we are one soul and we are removing corruption from ourselves in this life so that we can eventually become a more good expression of, of what God should be. And I just started digging into this idea with this young lady and started talking about, you know, what, what are the, what are the results of, of having a God that is full of corruption? You know, like, like, how does that, like, how does that even make you uh, feel as you think about this God that you say is the highest being, which is somehow all of us being evil and being corrupt and having to, you know, be kind of sanctified and have this corruption removed uh, from, from yourself, which is this interesting because there's some of these elements in, in even Mormonism uh, that you see of like, we're all eventually going to be God, at least if you're a man, that's the goal is to be God and you're removing the corruption from you so that you can eventually get to that place. And I just think about that as being the the thing that you're worshiping and putting your hope in and placing your trust in versus the God of the scriptures, which is an infinitely perfect, pure, good being who has never had one ounce of corruption uh, as a part of who he is. Um, and just the comfort that that brings as we as we consider those things. And so I, I think it is true that we we can understand the goodness of God and how it's manifest, but how good it is for the soul to, to think about these concepts of this being his essence, like this is his being. He is perfectly good, which means that from him only good emanates. Like he does not do anything that is not good because he is goodness in its essence. And uh, just what, what, what a hope that is. And I, you know, I was trying to get this across to this young lady of how the God of the scriptures is a better being than this one that this man has created that you're trying to follow. Like, why would you not follow the best being <laughs> that could be conceived of, which is God of the scriptures? 
And uh, anyways, ended up being a good conversation. But if you want to see some crazy stuff, you can go look up the egg theory. Um, so uh, moving on from that, you know, I, I do think it is true that we, we, we come to understand in our finitude the goodness of God and the things that we see manifest in the world. And so what are some of the ways that we've, we see the goodness of God manifest in the world around us? We've talked a little bit about how we can see it even in the unconverted, but what are some other things that we need to consider here? I would say in the fact that, that he exists. I mean, just at all, uh, you know, uh, not only, I mean, has he, well, has he existed? <laughs> not only in the fact that he exists, but it's, but yeah, and what he does, the very first thing we see in scripture, God doing is creating and he's creating by his word. He's speaking. And, you know, we, I mean, as finite creatures, I mean, we look out in, you know, into space at night, and we see just even in his handiwork what he's made, you know, the goodness of God. Um, I don't think anybody can go out somewhere that's free of uh, the pollution of lights from cities and look up mm. and see the stars at night and not realize that that God has done this. I know it's one of the, you know, apologetic arguments that some like to use to to prove God's existence. Um is by looking in creation, but but really, I mean, God was, I, I think we sometimes forget God was good without even creating anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, especially if we believe what the Bible seems to teach and actually does teach is, is that there's one God who exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I mean, God was, God was good mm-hmm. even in fellowship. Mm-hmm. He didn't need to do anything else. But out of the overflow of his goodness, he creates something and creates mankind in his image to to enjoy him. I I think there's something to that. Um, you know, just he's created, he's spoken. Yeah. Well, I think you see that. It, I mean, just in what what is it that God says after each day of creation? He created it and he said, It is good. So what what he has made is good, and so we do see the goodness of God manifested manifested in the creation. Think of when Jesus spoke of uh, using the illustration of earthly fathers that earthly fathers give good gifts to their children, and he says, "So how much more your heavenly Father?" And so, you know, reflecting on the question, you know, how do we see God's goodness? I mean, just being the daily mercies, the daily provisions, weekly provisions, yearly provisions that the Lord gives yep. uh, to all people, both saved, unsaved. Um, that is just God's goodness in our lives and a very tangible thing to look at. Mm-hmm. He provides us with things to enjoy, things that we need to uh, sustain our living. And that's and so we see his goodness expressed mm-hmm. in those sometimes little things. Yeah. Yeah, I think one of the hard things, I'm going to get to answering the question in a second, but I've just been thinking about that. one of the hard things that's um, uh, of defining goodness is some of it um, can be, not always is, but can be experiential, meaning, and you know, as we're talking about creation, um, at least I have, I've heard other people explain this way, that they go stand on a mountaintop or stand on the beach, and, and there's just this sense that this is good. Um, 
And it, it shouldn't lead to the worship of the mountains. It should lead to the worship of the creator. But there's just something about being in, even in God's creation, it's like, this is right. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at the beauty and just be amazed by it. Um, and so there, there's just even, you know, in, in God's justice, you know, when someone gets punished for something they've done wrong, there's something in us that says, that's right. That's the way it should be. Uh, and I think that's God's good law that's written on our heart and our conscience. But um, so I, w- I was just thinking of that, particularly as we're thinking about creation and, and just trying to put myself in the garden when Adam and Eve put them there in this place where he was saying, it's good, it's good, it's good, where there was no sin and no shame. Um, and just what they might experience in those first uh, moments, even experiencing the fall in creation and, and knowing how good it is. Mm-hmm. And then we obviously see it, I think, kind of get to your question, another aspect is uh, redemption. And I think mm-hmm. we see it in God redeeming his people, um, ultimately sending of his son, obviously, uh, Jesus down on the cross. But even starting all the way back after he, he kicked them out of the garden, how good was God to say, cover them, mm-hmm. um, and then say, hey, I'm going to send someone who is going to uh, defeat the serpent and yeah. begin this plan of making a people for his own name. So there's just so many different areas, as you mentioned earlier, that we see the goodness of God on display. Yeah. Yeah. I, I often, when I'm, I'm even just, well, even my little coffee thing that I've started, uh, you know, is it, we've got our little nice vision statement, craft exceptional coffee, do good, you know, and, and I do think it's uh, a popular theme these days to do good. And of course the concept of what it means to be, to do good has been totally thwarted. We're not talking about doing good according to what God says is good, but doing good according to whatever the individual wants exalted in themselves. But, but when we're thinking about what it means to do good as believers to others, uh, at least my intent in that is understanding that the highest good I can ever do to an unbeliever is to share about the, redemption that is uh is uh offered to them through jesus if they'll repent and believe in him and just just i think keeping that forward as the as the highest good that that does usurp any other good thing because everything we experience in this world is all going to burn to the ground when jesus comes back and so as good as it is it is subject to futility It, it it has been uh, really uh, tainted by the fall, which is just mind-boggling when we think about the good things that we experience in this world, uh, which has all been subjected to futility and is tainted. And then we think about how good the perfect next world is going to be and mm-hmm. just how mind-boggling that's going to be. But, of course, the best part of that is going to be being in the presence, the the full, uh, you know, unhindered presence of of. God on the throne mm-hmm. and the glory of Jesus just being, uh, you know, laid before us without, mm-hmm. without anything holding us back from experiencing the fullness of how good he is. And, mm-hmm. um, and I, I just I think as we're considering, you know, how this has been mm-hmm. manifest, it is mind boggling that we serve a God who is so good that he did send his son into this world on a rescue mission to save his people from from their sins so that we can one day experience that fullness of goodness in his presence mm. in eternity. And uh, man, how how glorious that's going to be. But that is the highest good we can ever do for another 
person is to share that good news with them in the hope that they would repent and come to experience, uh, to taste and see that the Lord is good. Um, because otherwise they're going to be experiencing all of these common grace goodness, you know, that, that he gives to them, but not tasting of the yeah. highest good that there is available. Um, so we always close up here. Uh, just, well, I got two more questions. One of the biggest objections you're going to hear to the goodness of God is going to be, well, if God is good, truly the way that you guys are saying, um, how do we deal with or respond to all the bad things that exist in the world and all the evil that is in the world? And obviously the intent of this podcast isn't to dive into the problem of evil and deal with this thing in depth, but what are just some basic ways that you guys would respond to somebody who is asking that question? You say God is good. How do I explain this cancer? How do I explain what's happening to this child? Um, how, how do I explain the evil and wickedness mm-hmm. in this world? How, how do I explain a Florida condo um, just mm. falling into waste and 150 people missing? Um, if God is good, why, why do those things happen? How would you all respond to that? I mean, we don't want to minimize it in one sense. Um, so like the that balcony collapse, those, all those, I don't know how many floors it was, 10 floors, something like that, um, collapsing. And we know of at least a dozen deaths, I think, and probably going to be a lot more than that. Mm. Or, you know, they, uh, someone who's diagnosed with cancer and then walks through a very hard time with it until the day that they die and, and other examples like that. And so we would want to just say, well, that is part of this fallen world that we live in, um, that, Diseases come because of sin, and those things are are hard. Um, uh, unexpected collapses like a, like that condo, you know, that is unfortunately mm-hmm. just things in this world give out, things that we think will last forever, but they maybe is misengineered or maybe it's no one's fault at all. I I'm, not, I'm not for sure, but anyway, we, we don't want to minimize it as to say, well, that's really not all as bad as what you think it is or what some Christians may want to say it is. But to say that God is still good, though, in it, is what we do want to affirm. Um, because um, even in the the hardships of life and the turmoils of life, God is, is always good. And so he never ceases to be that. Um, everything he does is uh, good because, at least in part or maybe in whole, it is accomplishing his purpose. So we just think of the life of Jesus and what he endured. And uh, um, I mean, he endured the greatest hardships, um, especially on the cross, but yet God was still good through that all. Um, we see examples with Joseph in the Old Testament when his brother sold him into slavery, just thinking that he'd probably be killed at some point, just die in slavery. Or, But that didn't happen. The Lord watched over him. He was in Potiphar's house, falsely accused of rape, thrown into prison, and there for over a decade. So his life was just filled with hardships. And yet at the very, towards the end of the story, his brothers, you know, they're still apologizing for what they did. And Joseph says, what you did, you meant evil. So they did and want to do harm to Joseph. But then he says, but God meant it for good. He doesn't say God turned those that situation into good. He didn't make mm. lemonade out of lemons. That All that was part of God's plan for Joseph to go through all those hardships and God meant it for good, and there could probably be several levels of how it was, 
how God meant it for good, but ultimately it was to bring Israel, the family of Israel, to Egypt, to spare them during the famine so that that family lineage wouldn't die off. And it was accomplishing God's purpose. And so we would have to say that even if we don't understand it fully, that in our own hardships that are can be evil, can be full of sorrow, that God is is accomplishing a purpose mm-hmm. that maybe we won't always recognize. Um, but to confess mm-hmm. that he's good will keep our eyes fixed upon him um, so that we continue to seek after him and not abandon him in such times. That's good. Anything to add on that? I think I'd just like to add that I, th- I think even though I mentioned that we can taste and see the Lord, we can experience his goodness um, in the world, that we can't just rely on experience because we experience bad things too. Mm-hmm. And so that's why rooting it in the essence of, of God, um, that he is good. Um, he does good, but he is good. And so everything we experience around us is bad. Um, what's the best way to say it? it? God is accomplishing, as you mentioned, good. Um, despite what we might think or we might see we don't see the whole picture um a verse that came to my mind is deuteronomy 29 the secret things belong to the lord our god but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of the law so not trying to uh, rip this out of context but there are things there are the revealed will of god that we don't see the whole picture um and so what might not look good to us and, and we wouldn't say the death of anyone is is good we know that's because of sin um, but God is still accomplishing good all around the world at all times, uh, despite the brokenness. But some of those things are secret. And our call is to live faithfully according to what God's revealed to us. Um, ultimately, his son and uh, follow him. And so that would be one just thing to think through as we think about the the problem of evil in the world. Um is that even when we experience bad, it doesn't mean God's bad. Yeah, yeah. We don't want to base his goodness on, on experience alone. Mm-hmm. I mean, certainly many times we do experience his goodness in the ways of just direct, you know, God has provided just good things in life to enjoy or has, you know, healed us of, of a disease or whatever it may be, something like that. But we don't want to say, well, that's how we understand God's goodness. Yeah. Because when we taste the bitterness of this life, um, and it is bitter at times. Uh, you know, the Bible's not um, silent on that. It doesn't lie about those things. Yep. But in those times, it causes us to seek him even more. And so that's when our confession becomes even more real to us to say, well, life is bitter now, but Lord, I'm going to continue to to look to you. And Lord, so help me to, to taste just the sweetness of your goodness mm. in this time, just that I would not turn away from you because that would be the temptation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to continue to seek after you, even when this world might say you should just, abandon, I mean, Job's wife, curse God and die. Yep. Uh, look what's happened to you. Uh, not to say that uh, Job handled everything well from that point forward, but he continued to seek after God. Yeah. I would say don't discount, uh, and, and nobody is here, by the way, but I, I think we can't discount the experience as Christians in the sense that, um, I tell you the 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 hardest sufferings of my life, uh, I didn't realize it at the time. Um, that I knew the promises, you know, that God works all things out for our good, 
but it often does take time Mm -hmm. for you to see it play it out. Like, I mean, I could sit here and go through a laundry list of the sufferings I've been through in the past few years. And like, really, I could gain a lot of, (laughs) you know, a lot of pity if I just named them out. But like, truly, when we're going through them, we're, we're not always so quick to see. We try to remind ourselves as Christians of the truth of God's love and his goodness. But man, I truly can assure you that sitting here today, I can see, like he's been gracious to let me see how he was good to me in those times. Um, we may not always get to see that. I mean, you, your, your last bit of life, I mean, a lot of people's last bit of life is suffering. Yeah. You know, you may not feel like you're going to get to see the goodness of God right here. Obviously, we've got to remember that that we seek a city that can't currently be seen yeah. and take comfort in that. But, um, but I think especially for younger people who wrestle with God's goodness and the problem of evil, I mean, really, there is a sense in which, you know, um, if you can just <laughs> trust in a Lord who in the Lord who is steadfast mm-hmm. in His love and in His mercy, you often will get to see, even in this life, evidence of His goodness. Mm-hmm. I think we got to go back to remember that the ultimate good is to know God. So oftentimes, the the bad things or the evil things that we experience are so that we. Uh, come to know God more. And I think that's a lot of what you see in Romans 8 when you know, we see the, all the encouragements there. You know, particularly in verse 32 when he says, He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? He's saying, look, I gave you the greatest gift possible. I did not spare my own son. So when you're questioning whether I'm good, look to Christ. You don't have to go anywhere else. Just look to Christ and know if I gave you my son, what am I? Am I now going to hold withhold from you other good things? Don't be ridiculous, yep. uh, child of mine. So I yeah. think, yeah, and, and also just looking at it even from a uh, the the full Trinitarian perspective, not only the Father and giving the Son, but the Son who is eternally God, who is eternally good who is perfect and righteous in every way coming into this world to seek and save the lost being despised and rejected by men Mm -hmm. being hung on a cross, the most wicked unjust act that ever occurred. I mean, every single one of us are sinners and deserve punishment for our sin to one degree or another. And, uh, and yet Jesus perfect undeserving of any punishment being treated by wicked men as a criminal and hanging and dying on a cross. Why? So that God could accomplish the greatest good that has ever, ever been accomplished in the the course of eternity. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that was his plan. His plan was to bring the highest good out of the most wicked act that could have been done. Mm -hmm. And, and so there is a, there's a sense in which there's, there's a religious problem of evil where it's like when we're in suffering and we're experiencing it, and we're helping other believers work through suffering to be patient and long suffering and and to just love well and you know care well for one another but then also there's the logical problem of evil where it is is necessary for us to remember and know that God is working good things. Mm-hmm. Um, the the same God who worked the highest good out of the most wicked act that ever could have happened and Jesus dying on the cross, that that was God's plan to accomplish the greatest good. 
clearly means that he is able to work good in the midst of our suffering and in the midst of our our struggles. Well, anything to add, tack on here at the end? We're going to cover practical stuff. I mean, we can. I, I felt like we got pretty practical just now, but if we got think, any other. I think there's a couple of Yeah, definitely. Throw them out. <laughs> what <laughs> just what are in. some other practical <laughs> things? Jump on in. <laughs> Get on in there. <laughs> I, I mean, I think as we, we look around the world today, I, I think defining good and understanding is what God, uh, God's the standard is significant um, because all rebellion is basically questioning, is God good? Mm. Go back to the garden and I, and I seems to be this was at the heart of their Adam and Eve's uh, rebellion against him by taking the fruit is they question God's word, uh, but they also question his goodness. Like, you know, God had said, eat everything else. Don't eat this. And, and that was a good law from God. And so um, they thought they knew good better and could define good. And so you look around our, our, um, our culture right now, they're, determining what's good and so there's there's a whole new definition of of what is good and what is wrong um so i think we we need to make sure as christians we are looking to god's word yeah to um approve of what he says is mm-hmm. is good um knowing that it is ultimately good for us that that was transformative to me in my christian walk is to realize that the law of god and what we see in the scriptures new testament old testament God wants good for his people, yeah. and he's given this not to be restrictive, but to lead us in the fullness of joy, knowing that with him there's pleasures forevermore, knowing God brings great joy. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so that's right. I think that's that's very helpful to remember mm-hmm. as we think about the goodness of God. Yeah, it's good. Thanks for joining us for episode 50. Uh, I'll see y'all when I'll see y'all. I don't know when I'll be. 